Welcome to the Church Leadership Podcast, your weekly source for encouraging and equipping local church leaders with your hosts, Mark Ganey and Andy Frazier. In each episode, Andy and Mark sit down with church leaders that you should know. We believe these honest conversations will be helpful and encouraging to you as you lead the local church. Here is this week's episode. Welcome to episode number 73 of the Church Leadership Podcast, and we are so excited about bringing you this conversation. Make sure you listen or watch till the end, because at the end of this episode, you're going to find out the winner of our Bribe to Subscribe contest. And speaking of subscribing, we'd love you also to rate and review our podcast. We have a new easy way to do that. Go to ratethispodcast.com slash CLP. That stands for Church Leadership Podcast. Ratethispodcast.com slash CLP. And now for today's conversation. On this week's episode, we have our friend Tim Milner. Tim is from Huntsville, Alabama, where he serves as lead pastor of Essential Church. And we're going to get to hear his story today. I can't wait for you to be encouraged and we know what we have to talk about today will be a special, special episode. Tim, thanks for joining us this week. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, we appreciate you taking the time to, to be with us and just talk with us. And, you know, there's a lot of, of bad news going around. Um, we're taping this still in the kind of the, uh, the end, maybe, hopefully, of the COVID-19 quarantine. All those numbers are spiking and there's unrest going on all around our nation. Um, and so protests and a lot of bad news. If you want bad news, it's really easy to find. But we thought we would bring you a story of positive good news. And, and Tim has that story. God has done some really cool things, uh, not only in Tim's ministry, but also Tim's life. So uh, if you don't mind, Tim, share a little bit about your story, your journey uh, that you've been on the last several years. Uh, okay, great. So uh, my story starts in Huntsville, Alabama, right up here in the Rocket City born and raised. I love this place, and I'll get back to that in a second. Uh, went off to University of Alabama. I hope, hope, don't hold that against me if that's offensive to you. And then from <laughs> there, went to, uh, went to seminary down in New Orleans. And I think, I think a big part of my story, maybe one thread that goes throughout my story, is just this idea that, you know, God hears our prayers. And so I was about a year and a half out from graduating, and I had no clarity on what I was supposed to do. I was really leaning towards becoming like an executive pastor at that time. I enjoyed just the strategy and numbers and, and that kind of thing. Well, but uh, hiring executive pastors out of seminary is not real popular. And so it wasn't really clear to me what would, what next look like. And I, I had a situation where, and I, I'm curious if you guys have ever been here, where something seemed perfect on paper, it just didn't feel right. And I had somebody come to me and say, like, hey, once you finish your degree, like, we're going to pay for you to do another degree. And on paper, it was perfect, but it just didn't feel right. So one particular day, I remember we went to church. My wife and I went to church. Um, and I told her, I said, Kristen, I, we've got to make a decision because if we're going to do another round of school, like, I've got to take the test and start turning in things. We've got to start putting money down. We've got to do all these things. But I just don't have a piece about it. And so I told Kristen, I said, Kristen, uh, if you need anything in the closet, go ahead and get it out. Like we had just got home from church. And cause I said, Kristen, I'm going into that closet and I'm not coming out until God tells us what to do. So, which by the way, I don't know if I'd necessarily recommend that kind of bargaining with God. So 
<laughs> I, um, Chris, it's just like this little tiny dorm on campus and we had one closet. Kristen went and, you know, got whatever she needed for the next day or whatever. So I went into that closet. I tell you, I'm on my knees praying, God, what are we supposed to do? I've got no clarity. I've got no peace. And after about an hour, not to be inappropriate, I just really had to use the bathroom. So I, I kind of get out of the closet. I climb out of there. I go, I, you know, I freshen up, get a cup of water, all those sort of things. Well, I'm heading back to the closet. And a thought enters my mind. Tell my old college minister that he should start a church in San Francisco. And so I, I'm like, nah, that's ridiculous. But look, yeah, that's a good thought. And a little context for that. One of my best friends uh, a few years prior had told me I should come to San Francisco to start a ministry. And because of a lot of college students, when I graduated, move out there. So anyways, I went, I, I tell my old college minister, well, I, I tell you, it wasn't, my computer wasn't 10 feet from that closet. And I hit the send button. I'm walking back to the closet to get back on my knees because I'm not leaving that thing until God tells me to do. I get a phone call from my old college pastor. And he says, Tim, I just got your email. He, he couldn't even talk. He was so shaken up. He's like, Tim, I got the email. He had to put his wife on the speakerphone. I got my wife and we're all talking. And basically the story went, Tim, you're not going to believe it. We just got off the phone from someone in San Francisco asking us to come start a church out there. And then, oh we, get your, and then we get your call or your email. And we think we're supposed to go to San Francisco and, you know, they're like, we don't be presumptuous, but we think you might have a part to play in this as well. Well, we do due diligence, but make a long story short, uh, about a, a little over a year later, we, we move out to San Francisco to start a church. Wow. And it's awesome. Things thriving, still thriving. Uh, shout out to Epic Church out in San Francisco. And, um, but I, I was there for about three years and I was getting ready to go into the office one, one normal morning and I heard a voice inside my head, just, you know, you know, inaudible voice inside my head saying, go to Huntsville and start a church. Hmm. Well, to be fair, I do hear lots of voices in my head and it's not always easy to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. So I just purely didn't grab the logic. I said, no, because it's like, I'm already planning churches in San Francisco. Huntsville has got a lot of great churches. So purely on the grounds of logic said, no, well, a little time goes on. And that, that thought just keeps coming back and it gets louder. It gets more frequent and I'll, I'll spare you a lot of details, but things just kept happening that just kept pointing me back to start a church in Huntsville. And then it, it like, for example, one time I was at the beach uh, with Kristen, my wife um, on vacation. I had a little, uh, a little moleskin journal, like just like this one. And I'm like, I'm like writing as fast. I'm sitting on the beach and I feel like the, like just a vision for starting this church in Huntsville. They just came to me. I mean, I'm riding as fast as you can. I think if you, if you look closely, you could see, you know, like smoke coming up from the pen as I'm just downloading like onto this journal, like the values. I mean, I'm talking like names of the church, people I'm going to ask to be part of this thing with me. And then honestly, so check this out. I get back to San Francisco and I have this journal with a vision to start a church in Huntsville written down. And I was conflicted. And I'm like, but I love the ministry where I am. And so I took that journal and I hid it behind a bookshelf because I felt like I was cheating on my current ministry. Like in a sense, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, but no, God called me to this. It doesn't make sense that I could be called somewhere else. And fast forward a little bit more time. Um, uh, I get called by a church in Huntsville. And they asked me to come and be part of a missions conference. And I, I don't know if you know this name, but there was a speaker named Henry Blackaby. And you know Henry Blackaby, Experiencing God, just an awesome, awesome uh, author and 
great book experience I got. Well, there was confusion. Henry thought that there was only one service at this church, but they actually had two services. So they asked me to speak at the second one. Now, if you could just step into my insecurity for a moment, at that point in my life, I had only preached five sermons and even my mom told me they were horrible. <laughs> I like, and I'm like, I grew up on Henry Blackaby. And I mean, the part of the context is like, I was from Huntsville and I had been part of that church and stuff like that. So that, that's why they asked me. It's not because I, I know how to talk. And so anyways, that, that conference comes and I go to Huntsville and I just tell you, man, it's like for the first time I had clarity. Like, I feel like I was getting that green light from God. It's like, no, like, this is where I'm supposed to be. And I just got to a point where I was in Huntsville for about a week on that trip, on that conference. And I just got to a point where I said, man, I love this place. If God, if you'll give me a chance to move back here, I would gladly spend the rest of my life or as long as you want me loving the people here. And some, some of the back, backstory on that is um, I am from Huntsville, as I mentioned. I'm a sixth generation Huntsvillian. We've been here a long time. Um, I, I, lo- like one, I just love the quirkiness of the city. We're all nerds up here. Uh, I love that on cloudy days, you can hear bombs exploding in the background because the spy satellites can't see us as, <laughs> see as good on cloudy days. Like, I love it. Like, I love, like, I love the stories of Warner Von Braun. I love, I love this place. And then on that trip, though, something also happened. My heart broke from my hometown. Um, I kind of had my Nehemiah chapter one story where I heard that the walls of Jerusalem were down and I wept kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, some, just some crazy things that I believe God coordinated where I, I got to see and hear and experience some things that really broke my heart. And I realized just how many people were separated from God, and even in a place like Huntsville, which is crazy. Cause at that time I was living in downtown San Francisco and I'm, and I'm realizing just, there is a lot of darkness in Huntsville. And the question that really started racing through my mind is like, if you had, if you had a family member or if you had a neighbor who was interested in learning about Jesus, like, the, like they were interested, they're not combative, like they're interested and they wanted to go to church with you, where would you take them? Mm. And, the, and again, I, I won't get into all the details, but I just, man, I heard and saw some jacked up stuff on that trip that made it like, that was not such an obvious question. There were some things like it, it would like if you had if you had a spouse that didn't love Jesus, you might not be able to take them to the church you go to here, just because of some of the presumptuous political stuff that you're going to hear coming from the from the pulpit. Well, I've wrapped this story up here. Find how I got to Huntsville. I, uh, I go back to San Francisco after that trip. Now, one piece of the detail, one one piece of the story here I haven't told you, is that I had been wrestling with coming back to Huntsville for about a year and a half at this point. But up until this point, I had not told my wife anything. And <laughs> I did a journal, not sharing it with your wife just yet. <laughs> no, you know, and so here's the thing. At that point, like we already had two kids and her family's kind of in the area as well, up down here in Huntsville, uh, not in Huntsville, but in Alabama. And I just wanted to be really careful about guarding my wife's, wife's heart on that. Like you can't tell your spouse, like, Hey, I think we're supposed to move back to our hometown. And then two weeks later, I'm just kidding. No, we're supposed to be here. And then a month later, yes, we are moving. And then no, we're not. My, my understanding is a, a court would actually rule that a justifiable homicide when she kills. Me. <laughs> That's right. And so yeah, that. I, <laughs> not really wise, but yeah. <laughs> so I, I just never had that clarity until I went back to Huntsville that trip. And I came back and I said, Kristen, you're, you're not going to believe this, but I, I, I think God's calling us to start a church in Huntsville. 
And guys, her eyes are like saucer place, like flying saucers. And then the very next thing she said, the very first thing she said is, Tim, I've been sensing the very same thing. And I'm like, oh, man, like I should have told you this sooner. You know, I've been, <laughs> I've been hiding this dirty secret, you know, and you're feeling the same thing. So back in 2015, we moved, uh, we moved to, to Huntsville. We started my living room. I don't know, about 20 folks or so came that first gathering, uh, started picking up steam. We started meeting in a middle school a little bit later. And, uh, and then, you know, it's one of those stories where we started meeting in the middle school. We had about 200 people who showed up immediately. And then something you guys need to know about me is that I'm a wonderful leader who never makes mistakes. And through my great <laughs> leadership, through my great leadership, we grew the church from 200 up to 80. And, uh, you know, and so I've we, got experience like, in doing yeah, that very thing. Yeah. Like, like half the church walks out pretty quick and, and then more. And it's just like, man, it's like, what in the world are we doing? We got to figure this stuff out. And, and then after, after kind of hitting rock bottom around, around 2016, things have steadily been building up and we've been uh, just seeing some really cool things happen. And then um, I, I'd love to share just one more story about God answering prayers. Um, back in, so back in 2017, and don't quote me on that. I'm pretty sure it's 17 though. Uh, myself and, and Chase, who's, who's our executive pastor here, we were looking at, at the numbers, like just the, the finances of the church. So we were a new church. Well, the way that we started Essential Church here is that we asked the other churches, would you be willing to partner with us for like one to three years? Like, would you be willing to maybe send some money, send some people, pray for us, that kind of stuff for one to three years while we get our legs underneath us as a church? And a bunch of churches like got, got on board with that. And that, that was great. Well, we started realizing that, wait a minute, all of our outside support ends like December 31st, 2017. Like, and, and at this point, I think it was like February. And so, so we had about <laughs> nine or 10 months, but we started looking at it and we're like, wait a minute, we've got a problem here. We've been growing, but we haven't been growing quite fast enough. And like, imagine like you're like the pilot on an airplane and you have this huge airplane and like the runway, the end of the runway is approaching very quickly. And like, we got to get this bird off the ground. So we realized that we were going to have a $55,000 a year deficit in our budget. And for a church our size at that time, that was a really big deal. That, that meant someone was going to have to go find other jobs and or, you know, it was, was going to be a mess. And ministry was going great. Like we wanted to do more ministry not less ministry, right? I mean, I feel like we were going, like things are going so good. Like we didn't want to talk about, you know, less budget and less ministry. So anyways, so I didn't freak out. Um, again, we had, we had several months to figure this out, but I, 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 turned, I turned to my secret weapon in ministry and I committed that I was going to pray and I was going to fast about this $55,000 deficit. And so... Um, one particular day, it was a Monday, I prayed and I fasted uh, just for one day. Lord, would you increase our giving by $55,000? Mm. And uh, by the end of that day, um, nothing, you know, nothing had happened. Well, the next week, I took Monday again. I prayed and I fasted. God, would you increase our giving by $55,000? Nothing happened. On the third day, the third Monday in a row, I prayed and I fasted. God, would you increase our giving by $55,000? Well, at the end of the day, I went to our P.O. box that we have as a church and I opened it up. Do you want to guess what was inside there? Guess. Let me just, uh, let me just throw a wild guess out there. A check for $55,000. No, 
the box was completely empty. We didn't. <laughs> that, that was my guess. There wasn't even any junk mail. I mean, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going back to the office. I just wanted to build everybody's hopes up. That's right. Trust them. <laughs> going back to the office. I'm saying, hey, guys, uh, anybody, anybody got anything you need to tell me? Uh, you know, and in my mind, I'm just like, I just completed three days of parent fasting on one thing. I'm like, anybody get any cool emails or uh, anybody stop by? I don't know, maybe the check or something. You know, it, it was crickets, man. Nothing. I'll tell you, in that moment, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12 came to my mind. And this is where Paul prayed three times that the thorn would be removed from his flesh. And God's answer to Paul was no. Mm-hmm. But Jesus did do something. Jesus, Jesus spoke to Paul, and Jesus said that my grace is sufficient for you. And he went on to say that my power is made perfect in your weakness. That's right. And so at that point, I just decided I wasn't going to pray and I, was, I wasn't going to fast. I'm sorry, I was going to pray, but I wasn't going to fast for the $55,000 anymore. I feel like I had got my answer and we will readjust the budget. We will do ministry based upon whatever God's called us to do. Well, about two weeks later, we're having a baptism outside. So we were renting a storefront. I don't know. The, the owner was kind of crazy. The owner, the building, the building owner, something weird about not wanting 500 gallons of water on his really nice floors. <laughs> so... I thought I was picky. I'm just kidding. I would do the same thing. So we, we do our baptisms outside, like in the front of the building. And as we're baptizing somebody, a woman drives by. The woman sees what we're doing. And two or three days later, her husband calls me. The husband explains that he saw his wife drove by, saw us baptizing, and that they're less than a mile from where we are. And that they are about to shut things down as a church and that they wanted to give us all of their property, all of their buildings, everything for free. Which, by the way, is probably the best phone call I've ever received in my life. <laughs> and, <laughs> that's, but pretty even, that's a pretty good phone call. And, uh, but even then, hey, we want to do due, due diligence. And just because somebody was giving away something for free doesn't, you know, um, you know it doesn't, doesn't mean anything. So we went and take a look at it. It ends up, there were some aesthetic things. There were some, you know, some safety codes and stuff like that we'd have to get fixed there you know this sort of things but guys it was right where we wanted a church building to be as far as geography goes um and like they man they were giving this thing to us like no strings attached like it wasn't a like hey you can't change the wallpaper in here but we'll give you the building nothing like that no strings attached and uh, so we went through the process of receiving the the the, the, the title the deed for the for the building and all that sort of thing well Somebody comes, somebody comes up to me and they said, uh, they said, Tim, what's the, uh, so I told you Huntsvillians are kind of nerds. They said, what's the Delta between operating the old building? Cause we had to pay rent at the old building and operating the new building. Now we don't have, we don't have rent or, or mortgage. It's all paid for, but we do have to pay like utilities and insurance, all that stuff. Right. And a Delta simply means the difference. What's the difference between operating that building and operating this building? Well, we uh, we got the spreadsheet out and we computed a difference. Uh, anybody want to do a wild guess at how much we save annually from the old building to this building? I'm guessing around fifty five thousand dollars. It came out to exactly fifty five thousand dollars a year. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's wow. our story. That's what's going on in Huntsville. And man, I don't know. God hears our prayers. Well, that's an amazing story, Tim. And I know a lot of people who are listening are going to be just 
charged up and encouraged by hearing how God calls somebody from a successful, thriving church in unreached San Francisco to come to Huntsville, where we are in the buckle of the Bible belt, and somebody gives you a church. So <laughs> uh, that's, that's an amazing story. And you and I met uh, in, a, in, in an Alabama church planner uh, uh, retreat where some church planners are being assessed and equipped, and you were part of that, and we kind of got to talk. And so your heart is really not just for planting a church, but even assisting and helping and, and equipping church planners. Tell us a little bit about how God has, through all of this, has kind of given you that sympathetic heart and that desire to help other guys to, to be successful, not by the world's standards, but by God's standards in, in planting churches. Absolutely. So, well, let me say this. I, I've been involved in three church plants now. The first one was as an intern reaching um, really the artistic community in New Orleans. The second one was downtown San Francisco. And then now in the downtown area of Huntsville. And guys, I'm, I'm just telling you, my testimony is that we need more churches in places like Huntsville. Now, I know that sounds crazy, having been involved in churches in, in San Francisco and New Orleans, but guys, I'm just, I'm just telling you, I don't know what city everybody's listening from, obviously, but if you go in Huntsville, there's a lot of churches here. But start digging deeper. A lot of churches are not doing well. When we came back, I think there were 90 Southern Baptist churches in Madison County. That's our county. At that time, I want to say it was 88 of them were either plateaued or declined. 88 out of 90. Go visit churches. They're, they're mostly filled with, uh, with the older generations. And a lot of them have been in decline for a very long period of time. Guys, there's a huge need here. In fact, you know, even how I told you in San Francisco, it didn't make sense for me to come to Huntsville and start a church. And I was just kind of wrestling with these voices in my head. Well, when we started looking at the demographics that were moving into places such as Huntsville, here's what we found. The people moving into places like Huntsville, they tend to be younger. They tend to be well-educated. They tend to be more progressive and they tend to be less likely involved in a church. Guys, that's the, that is the demographic we were reaching in San Francisco. Yep. And they're moving to Huntsville and places like this. And the thing that we realized is that, guys, the, the, the mission field is now also the Bible Belt. And we, we, on a daily basis, we're talking to people who had um, who never, never really been involved in a church or who gave up on a church, had been hurt by a church, or perceived that they were hurt by a church. Um, you know, all these stories. And, guys, we, we've got to start churches here. Now, there's, an old, uh, there's an old saying that says that the uh, best time to plant a tree was uh, 20 years ago. The next best time is today. Guys, as a church planner, it takes time for a church to get its legs underneath, underneath them. Even as, so we're, we're coming up on, I don't know, four and a half years old as a church. Man, we're still a baby church. We do not have, like, we're not able to do a lot of the things that some of the established churches in our community are able to do because it takes time to develop the leadership structure. It takes time to develop, you know, all, the, all these mission partnerships and all these sort of things. Guys, uh, deciding 20 years from now that we need churches is going to be too late. We've got to start planning on today. That's right. And so I just, my vision is like, I want to do everything I can to help encourage and motivate people who are planting these churches. And uh, it's, it's something like, I don't know, you guys are the experts. You guys know the numbers, but I think the last numbers I saw was something like, I don't know, four or 5,000 churches shut down in America every year. And by the way, those are just the official numbers. 
Um, my experience is there's a lot of churches that stopped meeting, but they forgot to file the paperwork. <laughs> you yeah, know? they didn't tell anybody. And, yeah. and, and, and so if we're going to be, if we're, if we're losing that many churches every year, that means we got to start four or 5,000 churches every year just to keep up. But we're not even right. keeping up because population's increasing. So I don't know right. the math on that, but we're going to have to start 5,500 churches a year just to keep, keep it up. And I would just ask the listeners, are you pleased with the current ratio of people in church versus outside of church? No, we want to see more people plug into life-giving churches, which means we've got to start a lot more churches. That's right. That's well said, man. So here's what I'm going to ask you. We're going to do something a little different today because we always like to close on a, on a, you know, point of encouragement, but I think we've, we've had that the whole episode. So I want to, I want to ask you, Tim, if, if there's somebody listening today, that is burdened, that has been inspired, that really feels now they need to at least investigate a little bit more. What, what should they do, do you think, in order to pursue, uh, pursue this avenue? Because, I mean, it is absolutely true that new churches reach more people than established churches. I mean, you know, for 40 years now, you can look at the statistics and that is true. So, you know, we're about making disciples and, and, and new churches can more quickly, I think, reach people for Christ and make disciples. So what, what can we do, uh, those of us who are, are in established churches, to help be part of this movement to, to start churches? Well, the first thing I would say for anyone who feels like God could maybe possibly be urging them to do something, I would just ask the two questions. If not you, then who? And if not now, then when? And if you just start asking those questions, it's going to move a lot of you to action. The second thing I would do is be sure you're doing your due diligence. Uh, you know, I mean, let's not rush into anything here. And so I would encourage a season of prayer and fasting. Um, you know, it, for me, fasting, I, I, to me, and it, it, it's like every time, if, if, if something's important to me, I'm going to pray about that thing two or three times a day. But if I'm fasting, particularly from food, then I'm going to use that hunger pain as a prompting to pray. And I'm hungry all the time. And so I'm going to, every time I get that hunger pain, I'm like, Hey, what's the thing I'm praying for today? God, do you want me to do this? Do you want me to be involved in this? How do you want me to help? And if on a day on the day when I'm fasting, I'm probably praying for that same thing 50, 75 times. Cause like I said, I got food on the mind all the time. <laughs> That's good. I, I really, I was fully expecting you to say, go into your closet and don't come out. I, you know, I, so, um, <laughs> so you got to go to the bathroom. You got to go to the bathroom. I'm a big fan of it. I have been a little bit more careful about using the term don't come out of the closet until you're ready. Now that I got San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, that, but I, that I, has I, a little just, different yeah. connotation. You got to be real specific. <laughs> but, I, but, but yeah, I mean, there, there's several parts. When, I, when I'm walking somebody through like, hey, is God moving me in a different direction? Uh, the first thing I want to do is, is it in line with scripture? If it's not in line of scripture, it's, it's a showstopper. If there's some scriptures we can point to, and that gives us sufficient reason to think that God's not actually calling you to do that. And guys, I've heard people tell me that God's doing them to do things. That is wild. It is crazy. And it is not only not in the Bible, it, the, it is in the Bible. And the Bible saying, don't do it. <laughs> the, second thing, the second thing is, man, there needs to be a season of listening. What is the, like, step back and what is the evidence pointing to? And then three, there's got to be some accountability. You've got to bring other people into this conversation who love you, who love God, and they love the scripture and ask them to give you some accountability on this. Ask them to point out the things that you're not saying. Because so after I told my wife, I started calling other, other folks 
and uh, just just say, hey, I, I feel like God's calling me to do this. What, what are you seeing? You know what? Every single one of them started coming back and saying, Tim, we've been seeing, we, 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 we believe that the spirit is in this. We believe that this is what you're supposed to do. In fact, we want to help you. But, but I can't tell you this. If I started telling everybody and everybody's like, mm, 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 don't do this. No, guys, you've got to listen to the wisdom of other people. Now, don't get me wrong. Um, I, I probably talked to probably about 30 people within the first few weeks of that. And I, I had one person tell me, absolutely not. And, and, and I heard his reasons why. I, I believe that there were some other motivations there of why he felt like I shouldn't do that. So I took it with a grain of salt. I told other people who love Jesus, who love God and who love scriptures, what that friend told me. And they all agreed and said, hey, you know what? I don't think there are some details missing from that person's perspective. I actually circled back with that same guy uh, uh, um, maybe a couple years later. And I just told him like, hey, here's what's happened. And even he came back and said, I was wrong. You know, so, so you know, listen, just because one person says, hey, hang on a second, uh, still, that's why we need to talk to a bunch of people what God's telling us to do. Now, I will say this. If that one person is your spouse saying no, then you've got to hit the brakes. Uh, one of the things that we talk about in starting churches is that if you and your spouse are not both called, then neither of you are called. Because the right thing at the wrong time is always the wrong thing. That's right. And, and Tim, one of the things that encourages me about your story is the holy uh, discontentment God gave you to leave something good, to come and, and plant a church. A lot of people will leave a ministry position out of the wrong discontentment. Maybe they're frustrated or things aren't going well. And it may be because they're a poor leader or they're not following the spirit. So they see that as their sign to make an exit and go try something new. Uh, and your story is a, is a very encouraging one that God has led you this whole way and he's honored uh, your faithfulness to depend on him and trust in him. So thank you for, for leading so well where you are. We look forward to hearing how God continues to use essential church there in Huntsville, yeah. but also how God is using you to partner with, uh, church planners here in, in our state in Alabama and beyond. We're very thankful for that ministry. And man, we, we know a lot of people have definitely been encouraged and challenged by your story today. Absolutely. So, uh, man, thanks for being with us. It was an honor to be here. Thank you guys. It really means a lot that I could be part of this with you. That was a great episode of the church leadership podcast. Thank you for joining us this week. And now we have a special announcement to make. We get to do something we love to do, and that's give away a prize. At this time, we're going to give away something special to those of you who entered our Bribe to Subscribe contest that we've had going on for the last few weeks. Mark, tell us how the lucky winner or the providential winner, according to how you believe, uh, gets to get their prize. That's right. So, all right. So a lot of you entered. Thank you so much for entering. Thank you for sharing our podcast, subscribing, or convincing somebody else to subscribe. That's kind of how you enter this contest and uh, you help grow our podcast. So thank you. And we took all those names of the people who entered. We, we put them in this random, this random website here, a uh, random, random website, random contest winner picker. Okay. And that would be uh, weird to just put stuff on a random website and yeah, we did. Yeah, so, so so as you can see we've entered all the names and i'm going to hit the start button you probably can't read that and it's going to scroll through all the names it's going to pick one and that's going to be our winner okay you will win a new ipad okay so thank you for entering now here's the moment of truth here we go boom there we go all right the names are going no whammies no whammies justin mckay 
Justin McKay. Oh my goodness. Yes. Justin has won a new iPad. Justin, congratulations. So we are going to send you the new iPad. All right. And uh, so thank you all. If you didn't win, I'm sorry, but, but thank you for playing. Thank you for joining this contest. You have helped us grow this podcast. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much to everybody who entered the contest, who has shared and subscribed. Uh, We really appreciate you. And we are having a blast here on the Church Leadership Podcast. We're looking forward to the next few weeks, some wonderful guests and great conversations that you get to listen on. And uh, let me just go ahead and give you a preview for our next contest. That is Bribe Us for you to subscribe. So that way, all of you who subscribe are going to be entered to a contest and you get to pick a prize for Mark and me. So. That's right. That's right. Hey, we, we just bought a new iPad. So we're out of money. So yeah, you need to bribe us. That's right. right? Justin, oh, we're night. excited for you. Thank you everybody for listening and watching the Church Leadership Podcast. And uh, we hope you are as blessed as we are by being a part of this. Absolutely. Thank you guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and even review our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app.